Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the lovely greater Greenville area of South Carolina. I'm your host, Stan McCune, as always, realtor and real estate investor right here in Greenville, Spartanburg, Pickens, all of these areas in the upstate of South Carolina. And as always, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach me for any reason and you don't have my contact information, that's where you find it. Just look in the show notes. And I mentioned to you guys a lot, please uh, subscribe, download, rate, review, all of those things with regard to this show selling Greenville. Please, um, if you are just listening to it via the link that I send in my email newsletter, please go ahead and go to your phone's native uh, podcast app, whatever your preferred podcast app is, subscribe to the show in there, and then you can leave me a rating or a review in there. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, that's how you guys can support the show without having to ever send me a dime and without having to ever do anything uh, directly compensatory towards me. You can just hit a five-star rating, leave it a short, kind little review, and I would appreciate it. Um, so we've already kicked off the year 2022, um, or as I joked in some of the previous podcasts that we, we don't want to say 2022, we want to say, uh, the year of our Lord, 2022, just to avoid confusion with the year 2020. Um, that might not be a funny joke, but you can listen to previous podcasts to understand what I was saying with that. Um, but the last three episodes I recorded all at the same time, all before the holiday season. And so I actually want to roll back the clock a little bit because I had some crazy stuff that happened right after I recorded those shows that that, uh, basically put a little bow on uh, the year 2021 for me. And for those of you that listened to the show, you know that 2021 uh, was quite the year for me. I mean, it was chaotic, a ton of curveballs thrown at me in a ton of different ways, and, you know, of course, there is an element uh, of just the fact that I had done more business in 21 than in any other year, and, and it wasn't even close. I did a lot more business in 2021 uh, than in any previous year. And so there's going to be just naturally more curveballs thrown at you and just a more a higher variety of things that happen. But the things that I had happened to me in uh, in the year 2021 were things that other realtors would hear me talk about and were just blown away. Realtors that had been in the business for 15 or 20 years that they had just never uh, heard of these types of things happening. And there were things that could not have been avoided. They were just just difficult things that we just had to had to plow through that I just randomly happened to have them all in one year. Um, and uh, on the positive side of it, I learned a whole lot from it. I have a lot of interesting experience that a lot of other more experienced realtors don't have because I've been through and had to navigate all sorts of really weird things. Um, but I let's just be honest. I would prefer if I didn't have to navigate a lot of weird things. But you know what? You don't get to choose that kind of stuff. It was just the way my year ended up playing out. And of course, I had to end 2021 with a bang. It, w- it had, you know, 
it had been interesting the whole year. I had a, a few closings in December, and I had one that was going to be uh, basically right before New Year's Day. And that's not uncommon. I, usually every year I have one that <clears throat> excuse me, ends up coming in right before New Year's Day. So that part of it didn't surprise me. Uh, nothing was unusual about that. But in this case, I saw kind of, not disaster, but I, I saw something looming. And that was specifically with the appraisal. This was an example of a property that I had listed for a client where we had multiple offers for it. And I told him, um, listen, what we got under contract for, I was like, it's not going to appraise for this. I'm I'm looking at all the comps in this area, and there's no way an appraiser is going to give it the full contract price. So I had already greased those wheels with my client. Well, then the appraisal took a really long time, and the lender ended up telling me that the appraiser just kind of probably didn't pay attention to his deadline, and in the end, just ended up getting the appraisal in, you know, like a week late. Well, okay, it is what it is. We've, if you've listened to the show, you've heard that we have had, I have had a lot of terrible experiences with appraisers. It's one of the most unprofessional groups that I have dealt with just in general. Of course, not, you know, appraisers are independent contractors, more or less. Um, I guess some of them perhaps can be employees of companies, but a lot of them, they just own their own company that they work for. And then they're contracted out by an appraisal management company that is hired by the lender. Um, Long story short, I've had a lot of issues with appraisers, and it was no surprise that this appraisal came in late. And, of course, it came in low as well. Well, the, the good thing is I had already gotten a plan with my client, you know, in place. We were not blindsided by that. I had told my client right at the beginning this appraisal is going to be low. Let's see what we can. Let's see what I can negotiate, and and I was able to negotiate a uh, kind of a splitting the difference type of arrangement with the buyer, where they were able to go up, um, and, and basically um, a, a reduction from the price we were under contract for. But they were still willing to meet halfway, and then they had to bring extra money to closing. It doesn't always happen that way. Um, a lot of buyers don't have that extra money to bring to closing, but in this case they did, and, and my client really won out because the other offers that we had been entertaining when we were in multiple offer situation in that multiple offer situation right at the beginning, um, those offers were not even as high as we ended up selling it for after um, after we split the difference uh, from the contract price and the appraised value. So um, he ended up doing really well with that. Uh, overall, despite the fact that we had a low appraisal. But that wasn't the worst of it, okay? So this is an FHA appraisal. FHA loans are generally designed for first-time home buyers, typically people that don't have a lot of money to bring to closing, uh, people that perhaps don't have the highest credit scores. And one particular quirk about FHA appraisals just in general is that they look a lot more closely at the condition of the property than uh, conventional loan appraisals, for instance. And I've run into over the years, and I know a lot of others that have run into issues with FHA appraisers nitpicking things on the outside of a house, the exterior aspects of a house. And a very common thing 
is uh, we've run into issues with wood rot, that they want wood rot to be uh, addressed. Um, chip paint, that's another one. I, I don't really know why. I'm guessing it has. It probably goes back to like the issue of lead paint. I don't know. Uh, but just nitpicky stuff. Um, FHA appraisals will typically say that a seller has to remedy some of these nitpicky things. And then the FHA appraiser has to go back out and confirm that those things have been completed before they issue a final appraisal. Um, and, and here's the other thing is that, yes, FHA has these guidelines for what they are wanting the appraiser to look at, but it's still very much up to the discretion of the appraiser. Just as we've talked about in previous podcasts where I've had appraisals, two appraisals on the same property that have come in $50,000 different. Um, same thing when it comes to the condition of the property, you might have one appraiser that just rubber stamps it and another that nitpicks the property into oblivion, just finding anything and everything that needs to be done to it. Well, which type of appraiser do you think that I got for this listing of mine? Which between the rubber stamp type and the type to nitpick everything into oblivion, which one do you think I got? To end the year, it had to be the nitpicker appraiser. It had to be. That was just, it was destiny. I didn't have a choice. Um, I'd never heard of this appraiser before when, when his name popped up on my phone. But my gracious, um, he said that the entire exterior of the house, all the siding, fascia, soffit, needed to be scraped, sanded, and painted um, there was a plywood piece of sheathing that was being used as a makeshift ramp to go to an outbuilding, just like one of those little sheds that people will stick in their backyard. Um, that, that plywood board was not necessary, but it was just used for convenience as a ramp to bring, you know, lawnmower in and out of the, of the outbuilding. He said that that plywood board was deteriorated and needed uh, to be replaced. Um, he said that the crawl space door had rot on it and needed to be replaced. Um, and, and I mentioned that wood rot is usually an issue. I have never seen about a crawl space door needing to, to be addressed in that way. There were, um, there was a privacy fence and there were some Pots, you know, some some broken slats in the privacy fence, some some different things, uh, you know, that had just gotten deteriorated. He said that those things needed to be repaired or replaced. I mean, we're talking about thousands of dollars worth of work. These are things that weren't even flagged by the inspector. Thousands of dollars worth of work that he's saying needs to be done in order for him to sign off on the appraisal. And of course, because the appraiser was not doing a very good job to begin with, the appraisal came in literally December 22nd, one week before closing, as we're about to enter the holiday season. Thank you, Mr. Appraiser, for completely derailing a transaction. Like, I was, I was stunned. I talked to other appraisers. They were stunned by this. I talked to other realtors. I mean, again... Like I said, I, I have found a way um, to just get these people involved in my transactions, uh, even though I don't have any choice over it. I did not choose the lender that, that chose the 
uh, AMC that chose this uh, uh, this appraiser that worked with this appraiser. It was just the the whole thing was just ridiculous. But it was the hand we were dealt, and unfortunately, once that appraisal is out there, that can't be changed. Um, there are some rare situations where you can have uh, perhaps an, an appraisal just thrown out, but that's very very rare. Most lenders can't do that. And if we had done that, we still would have been delayed in our transaction. And this is where things really got crazy. This is this is the part that I, you know, I've, I've dealt with all these crazy appraisal issues. But the phone call I got next was the phone call that that completely turned this whole transaction sideways and on its head and underwater and all whatever analogy you can think of. The buyer's agent called me and indicated that the lender was not going to be able to close the transaction if it dragged on past uh, the first of the year. That the lender, that there was something with the lender that that they were going to have to change lenders. And he had good news. He had someone, you know, great that was lined up for it. And, you know, we would just be sidetracked by a few weeks. Well, the buyer's agent, it, it was really hard to to really understand, to get the information from him about what exactly was happened. So happening in the in this situation. So I immediately got the phone with him and I just called the loan officer. And I had spoken to the loan officer early in the transaction. Um and and the lender described to me something that just blew me away. <laughs> and not in a good way. Um he let me know that his company they were going through some sort of a corporate restructure or something like that. And that in essence he was closing down his business at the end of 2021 and reopening a completely different loan officer lending business in 2022. So that if we didn't close this one by December 30th, and I'll remind you, um, it had to be December 30th because December 31st, the banks all shut down because that was when we observed January 1st. So we had another uh, another day left because New Year's Day fell on a weekend. So they were observing New Year's Day on December 31st instead of the normal day, which is January 1st. Um, And so if this transaction dragged on past December 30th, which is eight days from the time we got this appraisal, um, he would not be able to do the loan at all. And the entire transaction would be in a state of flux. And he was saying, you know, yeah, at that point, I would be passing the entire loan package off to a different lender and, you know, they would have to work with the appraisal and all this different stuff. And, I, and I'm just hearing, uh, my mind is just spinning because I'm hearing all these different things and all these problems are going through through my head. I mean, uh, the lender insisted that this would be a simple thing that would happen. It would just delay the transaction by two or three weeks. But I was like, this sounds like there are a lot of things that could go wrong. I mean, I've never dealt with with one lender handing a transaction off to another lender. Maybe it's simpler than I think, but given that a single loan and a single transaction itself has so many complexities to it, then for for another lender altogether to then take take a, a loan that has already basically been underwritten by another bank, and then for them to take that on and have their underwriting process 
be done to it. It just, it sounded like a, a disastrous situation, to be completely honest. Um, and so we had eight days from the time we got this appraisal in until we could get everything done. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize if you've had a smooth real estate transaction that's been, you know, purchased with financing, you don't realize all that happens in the last week. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes in the last week. Um, And there's, particularly if an appraisal comes in late, you know, the appraisal, um, the, the appraiser submits his or her appraisal to to their company, the appraisal management company. Um, th- that company reviews it, then they pass it to the lender. The lender has to review it in their underwriting, and then they can approve it, and then we're good to go there. Then you also have the lender, they have these federal government rules that they have to have the final closing, or the preliminary, not the final, the preliminary closing disclosure to the buyer at least three business days prior to closing. And then they have to have a closing disclosure to the buyer at some point prior to closing. So there's a lot of different things. Oh, and and that's something that, you know, those closing disclosures, they have to be signed off uh, by, well, particularly the final one, but, um, but there's the lender involved, the closing attorney involved, the, uh, you know, on the lender side, there are all sorts of different parties. On the closing attorney side, there are multiple parties. So th- there's a lot of people that need to lay eyes on a lot of different things. And when you get one little monkey wrench at the end of the transaction, it throws the whole thing off. Now, thankfully, you don't technically need a, a clear appraisal, you know, a, a completely finished appraisal in order to be able to issue a closing disclosure. Um, However, going into the holidays, there is a separate issue of, okay, we need to rush this. Can we rush it with the underwriters? That's something I've run into in the past, where underwriters are so backlogged, and lenders can, you know, try to push those underwriters to elevate a certain file, and to focus on a certain file, but at the end of the day, they're at arm's length as well. And so it, it ends up, there are a lot of things that could go wrong. In this transaction, it seemed like everything was uh, was going wrong. Um, and, and I've not even mentioned, in all of these things that I was just saying that could go wrong, we have thousands of dollars of, of painting and scraping and sanding and different repair work that needs to be done over at this house as well. And that all has to be done in a short period of time. And we have Christmas coming up. Yeah. <sighs> so, <laughs> the buyer's agent, bless his heart, he was pretty aloof this whole time. Um, he, um, a really nice guy, but without talking trash about another real estate professional, I don't, I'm not really convinced that he knew at all what was, what was going on. Um, he called me on the, the, let's see here, the 23rd. So the next day he called me and he was just like, you know, Hey, um, my client's wife is a, uh, sorry, my client's, uh, husband is a contractor. Um, they, 
are just going to do all the work, all the work that needs to be done to this house. They're going to do it all. They're going to be out there with their crew on uh, on December 24th, and they're going to get it all done. I was like, okay, hold on. First off, I have to run this uh, by my seller, right? Like, you can't just show up at someone's house and start doing work on their house, you know? It was like, that was something that needed to be approved, and that's another thing, another twist that I haven't had in a transaction before is a buyer doing work on a house prior to buying it. Like, that could have gone south very quickly. What if they do a bunch of work on the house and then the loan package falls through and they don't end up being able to buy the house? Like, there's a lot of, what if the seller is not happy with the work or the buyer does shoddy work and now the contract falls through and we've got, you know, uh, a big mess on our hands with trying to get this house sold. So I'm thinking about all of that. Um, But then also the next day is Christmas Eve. Like they're going to get a crew out there on Christmas Eve. I felt bad for my client. I felt bad for them. And and so as well, they're just going to get all of this done. I mean, it was a huge list, a huge list of of everything. So I, I called multiple people to make sure, you know, hey, what are the legal ramifications here? Like what, how much are, risk are we exposing ourselves to? Um, if, if we, you know, if my client and, and the, uh, the buyers agreed to this, um, really it was just kind of, you know, the, the same type of liability that I, that I just discussed it. It was, yeah, there, there is going to be that risk. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it ended up coming down to what, my client wanted. Now there is a, a an advantage to my client for him to not have to do the work, saving him thousands of dollars potentially. Um, and so I went to him. I discussed with him the options. He was just like, "Yeah, let's just do it. Let's let's have them come over tomorrow. Have them get the work done." So that all happens. Then I get a call from the appraisers, and this was the first time with all of this happening, the first conversation I had that I was like, okay, we might actually do this. We might actually be able to get this closed on time. Um, Due to the holidays, the original appraiser that gave us such a terrible appraisal in multiple ways actually was on vacation. And so they had to reassign the reinspection that that would needed to be done to a different appraiser. And the second appraiser that was assigned to do the reinspection was one of the nicest people that I have ever communicated with. I mean, particularly by, by appraisal standards, uh, by appraiser standards. Um, incredibly nice person. And um, he totally got, he was just like, hey, I can tell based on conversations I've had with different people. And I got a hunch that maybe the lender illegally reached out to the appraiser um, granted, there this can happen sometimes, but lenders are supposed to be at arm's length from the appraiser. But the appraiser referenced that the lender did reach out to him at one point, which I was like, whatever, you know. Uh, hey, if you get away with it uh, as a lender, go for it. Um, they're not supposed to do that. Um, but apparently, the lender reached out to the appraiser and expressed to him just how urgent this situation was and how quickly we needed to to get the reinspection in. And so the appraiser communicated with me and he was just like, Hey, listen, 
I know that they're going out and doing the repairs tomorrow, again, Christmas Eve. He's like, I'm flexible tomorrow. I'll just swing by at the end of the day, and and hopefully they're done with the work by then. If they're not, then I'm going to keep my, my Monday as flexible as possible. And this is the Monday after Christmas. I'm going to keep my Monday as flexible as possible, and you know I'll swing by whenever they're done, and I'll, I'll work up my paperwork. We'll submit this thing as soon as possible. Then shortly thereafter, the lender called me and said, hey, I've got great news. The underwriters, they, they pushed everything through. We got already the preliminary closing disclosure. So two of the, the biggest concerns are done. Um, that, that was that closing disclosure that needed to be done by, I think it was Tuesday. They needed to have it by, by Tuesday in order for us to close on time. We got it prior to the holidays. So that was a big, big burden off my back because that was something I had no control over. And, you know, underwriters, I, I talk trash about appraisers on here, but let's be honest, underwriters um, cause just as much or more angst as appraisers in a typical real estate transaction. So they can be a big problem as well. It's just that I don't, uh, you know, typically communicate with them directly. So it's a, it's a completely different scenario there. Um, by the way, the, the appraiser said when, in my conversation with him that he thought that that appraisal was ridiculous. He thought the nitpicking on some of these things was outrageous, but it wasn't something he could change. He couldn't go back and say, Hey, these things he's, this guy's nitpicking it too much. All his job was to do at this stage in the process was to ensure that all the things that were flagged on the first appraisal were done. He couldn't you know, redact it and say, you know what, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do this. Because the first appraiser took pictures, very detailed pictures of everything. And so the second appraiser needed to um, take basically identical pictures showing that the work had been done. So it didn't matter if he agreed or disagreed. Um, that was just, that was his job. That was the scope of his job. Um, needless to say, I was on and off the phone with the appraiser constantly. Um, and thankfully he was very communicative. Um, by the end of the day on Christmas Eve, December 24th, he went out there and there was still a lot of work to be done. It was not, it was not ready, um, from the standpoint of, of him, you know, being able to take pictures of everything the, the fence wasn't done, still a lot of painting left to be done. Um, so of course everyone took off Saturday, Christmas day, um, and the buyers returned Sunday to work some more. And now I think by this point, there's no longer a crew. Now I think it's just the husband and wife team. They're trying to get it all done. They still did not get it done. The appraiser went back out on Monday um, to, to see their progress and they had made good progress, but still hadn't done the fence. Um, and, and more importantly, they thought that they were done with the painting, but actually they had not taken off the storm windows off the windows. And so the actual wind windows themselves where that it had all this chip paint had not been touched yet. Um, and so they needed to remove all the storm windows. Again, this is, this is based on the first appraisal. They needed to remove all the storm windows, scrape, sand, and paint the inside, and then return the storm windows over top. And again, the appraiser was apologetic for this, but he said that um, this was based on the photos that were taken. He he could not 
avoid that. Um, so this is this is Monday, all right. Where the the clock is starting to tick on uh, you know getting this appraisal in. So the next day, Tuesday, the appraisers go back out, um, and the buyers are are still working on the windows. Um, the appraiser, uh, he actually th- this is a crazy thing. He called me a little bit out of breath. And he let me know that there was like a really large window that had a storm window over it that the husband and wife just were unable to remove himself. And the appraiser actually assisted with them taking it down. And let me tell you, I, I thought about naming this episode A Tale of Two Appraisers. Um, that is too vague. That That's not going to get a lot of clicks. So I'm going to have to come up with a with a different title. But this, to me, is a tale of two appraisers. The one appraiser that, from his clipboard, you know, just tore the house apart. This is a house that was in good shape and just came up with all this baloney as far as things that need to be done. And another appraiser that went out multiple times on Christmas Eve, multiple times the Monday after Christmas, back out on Tuesday, and then helped them with removing... Uh, with doing some of the work, I mean, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. That's an appraiser going above and beyond. There, I've I've never experienced anything like that. That was the positive thing that I had never experienced before in a transaction. So I was really grateful for this guy. I do not think that we would have been able to close if it wasn't for this guy, uh, for that appraiser. Um, but Tuesday night, they they finished the work. Um, they were able to send him pictures because it was just a few windows left so they were able to send him pictures he was able to get everything uploaded and then by wednesday morning the lender approved it and then thursday morning we closed (laughs) and then i ended the year i was just like what just happened um and by the way i was out of town for for part of this as well you know i'm i'm like talking to the appraiser like on the on the porch with like the ocean in the background, which probably sounds a lot nicer than it was. Um, the the weather is actually pretty nice, but um, you know me having to deal with something that I really shouldn't have had to deal with was not what I had in mind uh, while I was over there at the beach. But it is what it is. It is what it is. That was 2021 in a nutshell. That whole transaction. There, there's a lot more. Let me tell you. Even in that transaction, there's a lot that I'm not telling you guys because there are some things that I'm not allowed to say on a, on a show like this. Uh, but there was a lot more that that went on in there uh, that that caused additional stress. But you guys get the point. That was 2021 in a nutshell. Now, will 2022 be any easier? Uh, I doubt it. But. The moral of the story is make sure you're not trying to buy a home with a lender that's about to restructure and go out of business, right? Do not do that. That is a really bad idea. I have lenders that I work with that I can recommend that do a variety of different loan products. That is, trust me, that is the way to go. Go with someone that is going to stay in business and that um, isn't going to be right up against the gun for closing it or if they don't close the transaction, they're going to have to hand it off to someone else. Do not do that. Highly don't recommend. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you for listening. Um, again, we're going to have a great 2022. 
I'm looking forward to this year. Hopefully, you guys rate, review, and subscribe and download episodes to make sure you don't miss anything. All of my contact information, as always, is in the show notes. If you need to reach me for any reason, let me know. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week. 